Well, good morning, Crossings. How are you? Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's good to be with you guys this morning. If you want to pull out your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 1 this morning. And uh, as you get there, you know, it just, it dawned on me this week that, man, hey, I'm going to get to preach literally like seven days from when we were opening presents, right? Like about a week ago or right about this time, many of you were opening your presents. My family and I, we had been done for about an hour and a half. They wake up early. But here's one of, my, one of the favorite gifts that my kids got, specifically my six-year-old, was Play-Doh. He loves it. Loves it, loves it. He got all the colors. He pulls them out. You know, so you know, a couple weeks ago, I talked about halftime. We do halftime. And so he pulls out the Play-Doh, and he wants to play and start building things and start forming and shaping stuff. What he's making, no idea. In his mind, he absolutely knows what he's making. And so as he would build and shape and squeeze and whatever with the Play-Doh, we would ask, hey, what are you making? And he would tell us, and my wife and I would look at each other like, okay, sure, <laughs> we see that. But he absolutely saw it. And so as this week went on and he continued to play with the Play-Doh, He'd pull it out and get all his stuff out and, you know, make spaghetti and all the little toys that you get with Play-Doh. And because there's just something in him that he just wants to create. He wants to form. He wants to shape. And if you think about it, that's kind of what we as humans like to do. Doesn't matter really what you want, which, by the way, I did read an article that said that, that polled um, several men and husbands about Christmas presents. And the question was, what is the one present that you would love to get that you no longer get? And it was Legos. Because we like to build and we like to put stuff together, right? Like, it, we just, that's what we like to do. I'm not saying the ladies don't, but I just, the, the article we read was the, the, the dads like Legos. And so just put that in your pocket, save it for another day. But here's what it got me thinking about. Was as my son was forming Play-Doh, whatever. Whatever he was shaping and, and making. It brought me back to my passage that we're going to talk about today. And, and that is Psalm chapter 1. That... When was the last time we spent some time thinking about what is shaping us? We like to shape Plato. My son likes to shape Plato. He likes to create. But when was the last time we stopped and we really thought about what is it that is shaping me? What is shaping us? What is forming us into who we are or who we will be? Over the last year, we've at Crossings had the blessings of having John Orberg come speak, and he and his wife will come do our marriage conference here in about a month, um, actually less than a month. And so he spends some time, every time he comes, he spends time with the staff and with the pastors. And about two months ago when he came, he spent about two hours with the pastors here on staff, and he said something that has just been stuck in my head. And it's this idea about being spiritually formed. And he defines spiritual formation this way. Spiritual formation is the process of the inner self being given shape, pattern, and character. You see, we have a spiritual dimension to each of us. We have a physical, things that we can touch, things we can see. But we also have thoughts and we have feelings. And that's that spiritual part of who we are that you can't see. You can't see the thought, but we have them. And so this idea of being spiritually formed is one that 
I think in, in, in a physical world, we can inadvertently skip over. And that's why I want to dig into this question about who is shaping and forming us, the inner self, the spiritual part of who we are. As we go into a new year, I think it's an interesting question to ponder because let's not make any mistake. The world that we live in is absolutely all about spiritually forming you. They pay a lot of money to get words and ideas and pictures in front of you on commercials because they want to shape how you think. They want to shape and and, and form how you spend your money, what you believe in your opinions. So whether it's athletics or social media, 10 seconds at a time as we scroll, or cable news networks, they are in the business of spiritually forming you. They want to shape and form your thoughts and opinions. And so I just wonder, as we start 2023, if we could think for a moment, what is forming us? Because the tough reality is, is one hour of church on a Sunday cannot overcome six days and 23 hours of formation from our culture. That's 167 hours versus one. That's a ratio that's not gonna play in our favor, especially if we want to be formed like Christ. And so our faith must go beyond just one hour on a Sunday. And so again, whom have we allowed to give shape, pattern, and character to our inner selves. Who have you put in charge of spiritually forming you is the question. So we're gonna look at Psalm chapter one this morning about forming a fruitful life. So would you read along with me? Here we go. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff. The wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. What a fantastic psalm. And what a great way to start a brand new year is to go back to the beginning of the psalm and say, okay, what is forming me? What is forming us as a church body? What's forming our family? Now, the, the Psalms, I love the Psalms, but I'll, I'll just be honest with you, I am not a poet. And the Psalms are just poems. And so it's taken me a long time to appreciate the Psalms because I just don't get it. And so what I've learned over time is with the Psalms, we just gotta slow down. I need to slow down to really figure out what is the psalmist saying? Because it's not a narrative, it's a poem. And so as we get going, we're going to see, one of the things you see in the Psalms is parallelism all the time. This versus this, this and this. And so what we see here is the psalmist is painting a portrait of two different people. One that is in the way of the wicked and one that walks in the way of the wise. One that walks in the way of the world and one that walks in the way of God. And this is not a foreign idea. 
at all. Jesus gives us this exact same idea in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus says this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So Jesus is doing the same thing. There is this way and there is this way. One is wide and one is narrow. One is destructive and one is life. And we can even take it a bit farther away from the Bible for a second and look at the famous poet, American poet Robert Frost in his famous poem, The Road Not Taken. Robert Frost writes, two roads diverged into the wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. You see, the psalmist knew it way before Robert Frost. He said, there is a way. There's this way and there's that way. One leads to life or destruction, one leads to life. Now, there are a couple words in here as we look at poetry and we gotta think, you know what? Let's make sure we understand what these words mean. So he starts off with blessed is the one. That word blessed is not our typical idea of blessing. When we think of blessing, we typically think material blessing. God, I'm so blessed. And when we think I'm so blessed, we think house, food, clothes, car, vacation, whatever it may be. That's not the definition of this word blessed. It's the Hebrew word asher, and it means happy or supremely fulfilled. Happy or extremely fulfilled. It's the same word that we see in 1 Kings 10.8 when the queen of Sheba is visiting King Solomon and just bragging on him and praising who he is. This is what the queen of Sheba said. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. It's the same word. So happy is the one. Fulfilled is the one. Is what that word blessed means. And there's the word wicked, which we don't usually, you know, that's going to hurt people's feelings. So we don't use that word very often. That word wicked in this passage is the Hebrew word that means against or hostile towards God. Someone who is against or hostile towards the Lord. And so when it talks about the wicked, whatever image you have, it's just simply someone that is against the ways of God. Their life is going a different way. They believe different things. So let's jump back in here. Psalm 1, 1. Blessed, happy, fulfilled is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. My first point this morning is that there is a way that seems right. There's a way that seems right. Like I love that the imagery here in this, po in this poem, that the progression of the physical here, all right, he goes from walking to standing to sitting. Right? What is he say? Blesses the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. That idea of walking is the idea of listening to the advice and counsel. To be in step with means to be in rhythm with. Maybe a, a, a different example would be this. I, I've been whitewater rafting two times in my life. And it is both fantastic and it is terrifying. <laughs> it's fantastic because you might die. And it is terrifying because you might die. <laughs> it's both things. But here's what I've learned is when you get in that boat and they push off the shore, the flow of the river is going to take you. 
You don't have to do anything. And so is life. We are going to wake up and we're going to walk out the door and life is going to happen to you. What's terrifying is that when you're in that life, that, that, that boat on that river, is if you just let the flow of the water take you wherever it wants you to go. Because it will take you to dangerous places. It will smash you up against the rocks and it will flip your boat like that. And so what do we do? We have a guide in the back of the boat. And this is the other thing I've learned when you're whitewater rafting, is if you don't want to die and you just want the adrenaline rush, you are going to intensely focus on the voice of the guide in the back of the boat. And you are going to row when they say row. And you are going to push when they say push. And you're going to lean when they say lean because they know the flow. And so when the psalmist here is saying, blessed is the one who does not walk, the image I get is who does not just go with the flow. That is not the person who is blessed. And then he goes from flowing or from walking to standing, right? Like think about if you, if this was you, you're walking down the street, you're, there's, there's, you know, people on the sidewalk or whatever, and you're walking and you're like, okay, look, this is, everybody's just going this way. If I go this way, I'm going to bump shoulders. So I'm just going to go this way. But then all of a sudden there's a moment where you stop and you stand. You're making a statement by doing that. I'm going to stand here now. I'm not going to walk. I'm going to stand. That's a change in the physical, but it's also a change of heart. That idea of standing here is that willful rebellion against God's ways. I have made a decision. I'm not just going to go with the flow. I am actually going to be against what God would have. It's that, it's that like we, if you have kids, you've seen this as they've grown up. It's that moment they look at you and they're like, who do you think you are to tell me how to live my life? Like we've all been there when we were teenagers. We all thought about it. Like who gives you the right to tell me I can't go there or do this? Same idea. We take a stand. It was really funny. Literally just yesterday, we were at one of these kid play places and my wife was standing right next to me and I look over at her and she kind of looks awkwardly at me and then I look down and there, now we've got five kids. It's a lot. But there was a sixth child that was latched onto my wife's leg. <laughs> not our kid. We got a lot, but this one was not mine. And we kind of looked, and this, this kid was just happy just holding onto my wife's leg. And the, the, the mother, you know, they were, they were walking out, but this child had taken a stand next to my wife. And we kind of looked down like, hey, bud, you know, you're, this is your mom. And he, you know, he had that moment of like, oh, maybe you have did that when you were a kid where you had that moment where you're like, oh, this is not mom or dad. But here's what, what, what brought to my mind is like, this is what happens when we're not paying attention to the, the way that we're walking. Is we will latch onto something that looks like God's way. We will latch on to something that looks like God's truth. Because the truth is, is my wife was wearing black pants and so was this little boy's mom. But it was not his mom. And so as followers of Christ, we need to be very aware of what we're latching onto and where we are standing. 
because it just might be against what God would have. So we go from walking to standing, and then he says, or sit in the company of mockers. And this word, sit, has this idea of full acceptance of the rebellion of God's ways. Not only has we, have we accepted it, but now we are a, a teacher and a recruiter to that way. We're walking, just going with the flow, then all of a sudden we make a decision, we stand, and then we sit and say, hey, now let me teach you what I've learned, come on over. And so what the psalmist is saying is, bless is one who does not walk in step with the wicked, who does not stand in the way that sinners take, or who does not sit in the company of mockers. You see, not only has this person gone, gone with the flow and has come to be in agreement of the ways that oppose God and God's ways, but they have become an ambassador of it. And so we need to be careful as we walk through life that we are keeping our eyes and our hearts connected to God's word and his ways so that we don't inadvertently latch on to something that is not. Proverbs 14, 12, Solomon writes this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. There's a way that seems right. Life is going to happen today and life is going to happen tomorrow. And our world will tell you, our world will tell you, there is a way. Just go, just go. It reminded me of the old Sunday school song that I grew up singing. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. And oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Because where we, what we look at and what we hear and where we go, it will form us. It will shape us. Let's continue, verse two. It says, blessed is the one who does not do these things, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So, there is, so point two is there, is, is there is a way that is right. Point one is there's a way that seems right. And then in verse two and three, the psalmist says there is a way that is right. And so what do we do? We, 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 in verse two, it says, delight in. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Right? This is that idea of having an, an affection for God's word and God's ways. And if you're anything like me, you're like, but Andy, I don't feel that. I'm like, right there with you. I wake, I, I wake up every day wanting to do my own thing, run my own life, and do it the way I want to. And so it's a daily routine of cultivating and cultivating this new affection. And guys, this is, not a, this is not that really foreign of an idea. I'm gonna guess that most of you in this room drink coffee at some point. And I'm gonna guess that most of you at some point acquired a taste for coffee. Because let's be honest, coffee by itself is disgusting. It does not taste great. That's why children don't drink it. It's bitter. Even more so, that's why Starbucks exists and you can put every flavor in the world into the drink to make it palatable. Caramel, vanilla, whatever it is. But you know what? We want coffee. 
It has caffeine. It's beneficial to us in some ways. My wife, on the other hand, she likes coffee, but she doesn't even drink it that much. She just likes to hold it and have the feel of a warm mug of coffee. And so we buy it so she can hold it. Just kidding, Taylor. Uh, it is delicious when you put all the right things in. But here's what we do. We acquire a taste for coffee because of its benefits. Why then will we not acquire a taste for God's word and God's ways if it is prosperous to those who do? Psalm 119, 103, David writes, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So once we cultivate a new affection and delight in God's word, in his law, it says then in verse two, those who meditate on it are the ones who are blessed. That word meditate is, is this idea of pondering, of, of interacting with it to a, the point where it, it becomes a part of who we are. We don't just think about it, we think on it. And we roll it around in our head, we med meditate on it. My young adults always hear me say, we marinate on it so that it becomes a part of who we are. Or maybe you're more like a sponge. When you take a sponge, you dip it into a bucket and it comes out dripping of water. But guess what happens to the sponge if you don't put it back in the bucket? It will eventually become dry and not, not very fruitful. And so we meditate on God's word so that we can not just become followers of Christ, but we can move toward being fully integrated followers of Christ. And what I mean by that is what we say we believe is actually what we do. And what we say we know is actually who we become. We would be fully integrated. We wouldn't just know about God. We would reflect him. That when we're squeezed by life like that sponge, that what drips out of us looks more like Jesus. And then when we start to feel dry, we go back to the bucket and we fill it up again. We marinate on it. We meditate on God's word. We delight in it. And then in verse three, he turns and says, hey, this is what it's like. That person who delights and meditates, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Here's the cool news is you and I, we get to determine where we are planted. You get to determine that. In this next upcoming year, you get to determine what kind of water and what streams you plant yourselves next to. Because the reality is that proximity leads to transformation. What we draw near to changes us. I didn't believe this as a teenager. My mother would listen to the music we were listening to and she'd pull out the lyric sheet to the music that we were listening to. And she'd say, Andy, I don't know if you should be listening to this. I'm like, ah, oh, mom, I don't listen to the lyrics. I just like the beat. I knew, I knew every lyric, <laughs> right? We know. And when we plant ourselves in those things, it will produce fruit in us. And the psalmist is saying, listen, plant yourself next to living water with God, in God's word, in God's ways. And you will produce a fruit that does not wither. This is our spiritual nourishment. If we are spiritual beings, which I believe we are, what is feeding you spiritually? 
We eat lunch and breakfast and snacks and late night snacks. We feed ourselves physically. But how are we feeding ourselves this year spiritually? What is the nourishment that we're drawing from? Because guys, here's the reality. If it's, if it's not this, our world will gladly step in and feed you spiritually. The hard part is it just takes time to plant ourselves. We want immediate fruit. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 is one of my favorite passages where Paul says, I planted the seed of the gospel, Apollos watered it, but God makes it grow. So you get to determine where you plant yourself, but then we wait faithfully as God will grow in you something new. As you come close to the Lord, he will transform you because proximity leads to transformation. So the encouragement here is this, that we need to be planted in God's word, walking in God's ways, and what is produced in you will be good and beneficial in every season. The leaf will not wither. Let's continue and finish up in verse four. The psalmist says, not so with the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So my last point this morning is that there is fruit each way, right? The psalmist is giving a vision of two ways, two people. And the reality is that there is fruit both ways. But one is spiritually fruitless and it leads to destruction. It's like chaff and that idea of chaff is of the harvest when they would harvest the wheat and they would crush it and smash it and step on it and twist it, whatever. They would take it and then they'd throw it up in the air and the seeds would fall to the ground. The wheat would fall to the ground and all the chaff would blow away in the wind. And it says, that's the way of the wicked. It will blow away. It will be worthless. But the second way, delighting and meditating and planting yourself in God's word and God's ways will be fruitful. And so what would it look like for you and for, uh, for me and for our church to this year plant ourselves in God's word and God's ways? I'll tell you what it would look like. It would look like fruit, really wonderful fruit. And the crazy thing is fruit is usually not for the own tree. The fruit is for the other people around us. So in review, there's a way that seems right and it leads to death. There is a way that is right. Or sorry, there's a way that seems right. There is a way that is right and there is fruit produced either way. So what do we do with this this morning? Well, I'm gonna, it's, it's New Year's Day, right? So I'm gonna give you three challenges. All right, the first one is this. I wanna challenge you to decide daily to put Jesus in charge of your spiritual formation. I want to challenge you to say, Jesus, I want you to form me. I want you to shape me. Not music, not entertainment, not talking heads on cable news network. I want you to form me. And then take the steps to do that. And that's number two. Is, number two is plant yourself daily in God's word. Plant yourself daily in God's word. This is our spiritual nourishment. One hour of church cannot overcome six days and 23 hours of being discipled by the ways of this world. We're being discipled. 
either by the ways of the world or the ways of God. And so would you plan yourself daily in God's word? And here's what I'm really excited about is today in your worship folder, you've got several things right here on this page. The first one that I wanna highlight is the five ways to dig deeper. You could take this, rip it in half, put it in your Bible, and every time you open the Bible, you could do one of these five things, you could do two of them, you could do all five. And it will help you dig into God's word and till up the soil of your heart and plant yourself in God's word. And maybe the thing I'm most excited about is this start a Bible reading plan. There's a little QR code. And the Lance Ward will walk with you for a year walking through the Bible. I don't know if there's anyone that I would more enjoy sitting down with once a week, every Friday, and having him walk me through what we just read that week. He's gonna spend time talking about, hey, what stood out to Lance? And then he'll preview the, the next week. And this is gonna be on our website. It's, what a fantastic what resource we have here. You guys know Lance, he's hilarious. You'll probably laugh a lot too. And so not only will you get God's word taught to you and, and marinated over, you'll probably get some laughs along the way. And then thirdly, so after you decide daily to put Jesus in charge of your spiritual formation, number two, once you decide to plant yourself daily in God's word, which by the way, there's a, if you go to that QR code, there's a little intro video that Lance will tell you what's gonna happen. There's also a PDF of, of the, the reading plan right there on that website. You can download and print off. Number three is get around others weekly who are doing the same thing you're doing. Grow together. And again, in this worship folder is a ton of offerings. Every Sunday, starting, next, starting back next week, we have Sunday school classes that you could go to immediately after this service, drink that coffee that you've acquired a taste for, and talk about the Lord. Grow in your faith. And then starting on January 11th, we got our, a brand new Wednesday night lineup. If you look in here, you've got the pictures and the titles of all the classes on Wednesday night. I've got a favorite. She's the second one down. Terry's good too. <laughs> but would you this year plant yourself next to streams of living water and see what God would do in your life? That he would transform how you think? Because the reality of it is, is we, we are Plato. We're Plato. And we are being formed spiritually and shaped spiritually. Our inner self is being given a shape and a pattern and a character. You get to decide who shapes you. So as we go into this new year, would you be willing to take an inventory of yourself and ask yourself some good and honest questions like who have you allowed to form you? What do my attitudes and assumptions and reactions say about who has shaped me? Do my attitudes and assumptions and my reactions to people and situations, do they reflect the heart and mind of God or a talking head? And then resolve to just turn back to the Lord and say, God, you shape me. It's like the prayer we prayed earlier with Larry. God, you shape me. You form me and wait and watch how God transforms you. Let me pray as our prayer pastors come forward. And if you need any prayer, we would love to pray with you and for you as we go into this new year. Let's pray. 
God, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for the psalmist that wrote, wrote this that kind of gives us a roadmap of what it looks like. God, would you help us to walk in your ways, to stand and sit under your teaching, that you would bear fruit in our lives that would be for our good and for your glory. In your son's name, amen. Crossings, have a great year.